Welcome to Save That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I'm hopped up on orange soda. That's true. Also joining us, Jed Brew, the director of Mission USA Productions. I only enjoy orange soda in moderation. It's a lie. Also joining us, all of you Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. I only drink diet orange soda. That's well, Lee clearly thinks he's better than us. Yeah, apparently. I mean, he's right in that regard. Sure. I also think someone could keep a running tally if they went back to the episodes of all the various things Glenn has been hopped up on. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a lot. It's not an insignificant list. Well, I think we went a little long last time with the Andrew okay. Peterson interview. Hold on, everybody, I have an emergency. Right? right? Whoa. Whoa. Now, is this like a real, legit, like, Dude. you know, things are at stake emergency? And are we sure you Glenn's the one hopped know. up on sugar? You don't even know. <laughs> well, I, if it's yeah, I'm this diet soda that I'm drinking is is I'm like hopped up on Splenda or something. But you don't even know wow. how much of an emergency this is, dude. This is an actual. Okay. This is like a real actual emergency. Not like sometimes. And Glenn, you you've spoken to this before, but sometimes we will mess around. Somebody will bring something that's not like an actual emergency. Right. Right. But this yeah, is because like I, I like to. I like to get right to the wisdom. Let's get yeah. to these questions. Get no down to fooling business. around. Yeah. I mean, if it's a real emergency, sure. You know, I, you're all liars you're, and bad people in general. I, I think you're going to be with me on this. We actually received an email into the Say That World headquarters, which I somehow got this mm. email. But uh, it is from someone. Don't overthink it. <laughs> Edith Love Rumple. Also, don't and, overthink that. And uh, the subject is our Matt. Uh, okay, okay. Now, those who follow and subscribe to the podcast will know from a few episodes that we had kind of a a special episode all about marriage. Right, right, and right, not, right. Not really a normal episode. It's a special one. And uh, by the way, those of you who do subscribe to the podcast, it would be nice if you would leave us a review. But in, in any case... Uh, this person is referring to this episode. It says, the body of the email says, Boys, that was nice. I was listening to y'all, as I do, and I couldn't help but think how much richer the marriage special would have been if Matt were married. Mm. Well, that's a good point. Do you think, she goes on, Edith goes on, do you think his being alone is holding back his ministry? No question. No doubt about it. Isn't that just a bit selfish? Love y'all. You know, it really is. Yeah, probably. They sign off, love y'all, Edith, and then there's a postscript. P.S. Matt, furiously handsome or furiously selfish? (laughs) Probably neither. Wow. Oh e- my goodness! Edith Love Rumple, which sounds like a totally not made up name, absolutely sure. has that, really that name is not the product of a diseased mind at all. <laughs> I think we have we 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 have blown the lid off this one. We really have. The lid has been blown. And we should note, as a quick aside, I know a lot of our listeners wonder how much this is scripted, how much this is made up. We seriously got an email from a person who claims their name is Edith Love Rumple. Yeah, I'll that forward you that email if you ask. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> And uh, I think it's a serious accusation. Well, it's, uh, you know, it needs to be answered. Because it doesn't. Here's what's happening is people out there need the ministry. Right. Okay. Matt is ready to deliver it. Right. Sure. But what does he need? A wife. Absolutely. That's what you need. You got to have that. You know, in the Russian Orthodox Church, you know, you cannot be ordained as a single man. Well, that, I think there's a lot of no lesser there. a source than the Russian Orthodox Church, <laughs> who Jed Brewer adheres to at all times and does not only bring up when they have one rule that is helpful yeah. to his insanity. Every, if, yeah, if just we could get through one yeah. episode of this podcast without Jed telling us how the Russians do it. <laughs> is that why Jed always stands up in every episode? He's always bringing out icons and stuff. 
Well, sure, exactly, yeah. man. Look, I like to keep it traditional. That's why he insists on referring to us as all as patriarchs instead of hosts of the podcast. Exactly right. Exactly right. But you know, this isn't a discussion about me. This is a discussion about Matt King's selfishness. That's Selfish. true, but I al- almost expertly made a discussion about you. <laughs> Selfish Matt. The, the, That's I'm, true. Here's what's happening. There's, there's a lot of ladies listening to this podcast. There are. Hello, ladies. That was <laughs> really deeply inappropriate. <laughs> really? Now, the that rest was of Jed you, Brewer some for... of us on this podcast are married yeah. and are going to hear about that. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> here's what happened is, there's, there's, there's ladies out there, okay? And you know what happens is sometimes the ladies get lonely. And you know what would go down smooth on a cold, cold night? When you're lonely and Tell all me. alone by yourself. Tell me. Well, a little bit of Matt King. Snuggling up next to a rich Matt King beard. I mean, just getting in there. <laughs> yeah. The word then, rich can no, not accurately describe any part of the Matt King experience. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I'm saying is that, you know, the, the ladies want to be with Matt King. Well, sure, obviously. But he's being stingy. He's playing well, hard to I'm get. Saying. He's keeping it to himself. I think Matt has kind of accidentally stumbled on something with the with the That's title. That's normally the, the way it Matt, happens. The Matt King experience. Is this something that sure. we could commercialize so we could like, you yes. know, you somebody could sign up and and make an appointment. Yeah. The Matt King just uh-huh. it's a whole weekend, it's a whole thing, dates and there's yes. They get to yeah. you know see him preach the just the ministry dating yeah. the whole deal. Beautiful, perfect. I think yes, because here's what you know. Would it, you like to go into bad neighborhoods late at night, not get any sleep, <laughs> watch someone edit audio for hours on end in their studio apartment? The Matt I, King experience. Because IMAX. <laughs> here's here's what it is. People like to try before you buy. Sure, you know absolutely I mean? right. You take. <laughs> Have Mac, you been listening to a lot of local radio commercials? <laughs> you, you take Matt out for a spin, see what sure. you think. You know what I mean? Look, why buy the mat when you can get the king for free? I mean, that's what Ann Lander said, and it's true. <laughs> it's true, and you know. You, now you're just taking <laughs> phrases and putting different words in them. <laughs> he, 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 he's he's got a little bit of mileage, you know. Sure, absolutely. that is true, but still uh, under warranty. So. Take him out for a spin. See what you think. See what happens. Because here's what it is. You try the Matt King experience. You you you're gonna have an experience. How do you know you wouldn't like Matt King? That's right. Give him a try. You yeah. Know what what, I mean? You think you're too good for Matt King? <laughs> is that what this is? I can't even imagine that that thought would occur to anybody. I mean, I'm I'm offended they're even thinking it. You know what? Maybe some people ought to. You just consider what they've just thought about. Yeah. We're just going to have a moment of silence and just shame them. Right. Glenn, Glenn and Jed showing a very useful talent to be offended by all sides of his conversation <laughs> as however it amuses them. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, Matt, um, why are you so selfish, bro? Selfish. Uh, mainly just to hurt all of you. Uh, well, that makes sense. That makes sense. And you know what? Mission accomplished, Matthew. Yeah. Mission accomplished. Because... I have actually done this when now when I I'll go to a place and you know well-meaning Christians right. church ladies say no now why aren't you married yet and I will literally say oh spite and walk away before <laughs> they have a chance to register that right and uh, that makes me happy <laughs> yeah because yeah. I don't know what that means I don't know what I'm referring to just the one word and just right it's great because here's what it is you know because. You could date a regular guy. You could. I mean, like a chump. It's been done. I don't know why you would want to, because probably a regular guy doesn't have a beard. Probably not. Okay. No doubt. Probably has a regular job. Sure. With benefits. <laughs> benefits. And a salary. You know, like a chump. And an <laughs> office where no one gets stabbed. Yeah, that's you don't want that. With Matt, you don't know what Shank you're going to get. Shank free offices, if that's what you're into. <laughs> <You know. laughs> with, with Matt, see, you net one day the next, you don't know what you're going to get. You sure. Know? It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's like an assortment box of adventure. How many seizures have you dealt with at your place of business? <laughs> How many times have you had to play the game high or seizing? If <laughs> <laughs> we literally had the bridge, that's there was a guy so who came... Just bless his heart. He's a nice dude. He's a yeah. good-hearted guy, but drunk as a skunk. Yes. About two weeks in a row, and 
we, we here's the other fun game we play the bridge is how drunk can they be? Yeah. We've hit the there's a level of what I like to call white uncle at a wedding. Yeah. Drunk, right, right, right. Where he's had a couple, he's just he's just nice now. He's a little bubbly. A little back slappy, a little but right. that's fine. Right. Can sit. Right. We're okay with that. Sure, he's gonna request songs no one's heard of yeah, from right. the seventies, but that's all right, fine. Right. And we get people with bridge who are that level of drunk, which is fine. They can sit quietly. It's no problem. They can participate. The claps are even further off the beat. Right. Yeah, maybe right. normally, but it's all fine. But then there's wandering drunk. <laughs> yeah. You get people who are so messed up that they are unable to sit quietly in a seat. Yes. And we'll just get up and do laps. Yeah. Go across yeah. the room and ask people questions. Yeah. Right. Right. So we had this dude who had done that a couple of weeks. We were getting to the point where we we're going to have to, unfortunately, kind of toss this dude out and tell him he can't come again unless he's kind of showing up, you know, fully clean and sober. Which uh, we have to do occasionally. You just got to keep the cast down. But one week, um, I guess Glenn, Glenn may have been on stage. I remember I was in the back, and one of our deacons, Craig, comes. And Craig, who is a a very nice man, who's also an ex marine. Yep. So he's carrying this dude out. Has this guy by the arm dragging him out. And I thought this dude just popped off in the absolute wrong way, and this was the right. end of it. So I, oh, what's going on here? Turns out he's having a seizure. <laughs> yeah. Right. And he yeah. proceeded to have a seizure every week for the next three weeks he was at the bridge. <laughs> but yeah. but that I think that's our third or fourth different person. Yeah, we've had a lot of that. The there are a lot of people who, bless them, they need many kinds of medication, both yeah. uh, psychotropic, anti-seizure, whatever right. it is. And they'll think to themselves, you know, it's Tuesday, going to the bridge, why don't I just risk it? Yeah, let's see what happens. And and for this very reason, you know, it's it's a stressful environment, you know. And Matt needs to come home to a sweet young Christian wife. Absolutely. You know, where they would snuggle up together. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Oh really? Has uh, that has that been your marriage experience? Where just where, coming home? It's all about you. Where, no more headaches. He where he he she she has his slippers. Yeah, you know, and sure. then he reads the paper. Absolutely, smokes sure. his pipe. In his Saturday evening post, he, he pets the dog that sits next to him. Just stuff. like that. That's, just like that's that. That's what Matt needs, y'all. And so if you're a young lady from the 1950s, help us make that happen. Make, sure. Make a, make a call. Send a telegram. <laughs> uh, because send pe- it via wireless. People are trying to get as much Matt as, as they can. No Matt's doubt. being selfish. Absolutely. That, this is what That's we've true. learned. So people, let's just pray for Matt that he learns to be less selfish. Lee, you're the one who started this. Therefore, you must be the one to end it. That's emergency protocol. Well... I wish that we were declaring emergency off with you being married, but I think we've made some good progress here, and I'll go ahead and declare a temporary, though rueful, emergency off. Excellent use of rueful. I like when things are rueful. That was fantastic. Normally things in this podcast are uh, unintentionally rueful. <laughs> we don't realize there was ruining until afterwards. I like, I like pointing it out beforehand. Yeah. Going to try to find a way to transfer that into Bridgebox, which nice probably does mean waiting a second for a nice, quiet edit point. Now I'd like to tell you about Bridgebox. <laughs> you can, I, while we've been sitting here, not only do we have emails from people with un, unlikely sounding names about my love <laughs> life come in, while we're sitting here, I've got an email that someone has signed up for the 48-hour Bridgebox trial. Ooh, wow. Nice. They're coming in like hotcakes. You can check all our social medias. We'll be retweeting that reposting those links to go right now you can go on over there you send give us your email address you confirm it and we will send you a 48 hour temporary link so you can try out Bridgebox, get all the stuff download the music download the pdf bible studies devotionals all that's yours to keep after your 48 hours is up and if you like it you can sign up or if you're a bit more of a risk taker mm. a bit more of a trusting soul to take our word for it you can just head yourself over on missionusa.com slash bridgebox, sign up, $8 a month. All that money wow. goes to support hiring part-time employees in the neighborhood to help us do our ministry, and you get a lot of great stuff for yourself, too. You can also Amazing. sign up for the Lee Younger-branded version, new song from Lee every month, missionusa.com slash BBLY. All right, we're going to right into our first question here. came in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox, and it says, I was volunteering at a soup kitchen, good for you, and speaking with a lady who was down on her luck. I asked her about her life, and she asked me about mine. I said that I was going to grad school. She said, oh, you must be very smart. 
I responded, no, I'm not really. It's all God's grace to me. Then she said, oh, so he gave you grace. Why didn't he give me any? I'm dumb. (laughs) Oh, crap. Luckily, she (laughs) laughed it off, but I felt really bad. What did I do wrong? How should I have responded? Glenn, why don't you enlighten us? Uh, Yeah, this is actually uh, uh, something I talk to pastors about all the time, that the correct response to a compliment is to say, thank you. Then shut up. (laughs) Then shut up. You can say those two words in that order exactly and nothing else. We actually have an exercise, and I, I, I definitely, definitely recommend this to you. You're in your small group or your fellowship group, whatever you're in, to uh, get in a circle. Uh, if you're in a big group, maybe break into circles of uh, six or eight people. Go in a circle and give a compliment to each person on your right, and that person is only allowed to say thank you. In response, you will be surprised at how torturous that is for (laughs) most people to simply say thank "Thank you you after receiving a compliment. That's actually the polite response when someone gives you a compliment is to say thank you. Uh, It's also actually the humble response uh, Mm. to say thank you. Um, it is disrespectful, actually, as it turns out, to take someone's compliment and tell them that they're wrong to be giving it to you uh, and to kind of reroute that somewhere else. Um, also, if you make a big show of giving God, quote-unquote, credit, then what you're doing is making a big show of you and how you give God credit, this is actually not humility. Well, you're also extending what would have been a one-sentence conversation about complimenting you into a much longer one. That's and right. Isn't that the very nature of humility? <laughs> yes. No. Uh, you, the, <laughs> the, the idea is someone gives you a compliment, say thank you, and ask them about them and what's going on with them. This is the thing is the, the Bible actually talks about False humility, and this is what it is meant by false humility, is when you, uh, maybe a humble brag is more the the, the, the common term for that. Really speaking the kids' language here on the Say That Podcast. I I get right on the latest hip jive. (laughs) Uh, But the, the, uh, the idea is that you're, by pointing out or sort of making a show of how good you are at deflecting a compliment, that's actually you bragging on you. That's actually yeah. you trying to make you look good. Uh, you're trying to make yourself look humble. And again, when you make a show of looking humble, that's not humble. Therefore, that's what the Bible calls false humility. And it's again it. So uh, I'll kick it around <laughs> to these other guys to kind of talk about uh, uh, you know, how we deal with that perception uh, and how do we deal with compliments and and sort of regulate uh, the these kind of things? But I think it's it really begins with saying thank you, ending that sentence with a period, and letting uh, and letting that move on to the other person. I think you're absolutely right, Lee. Why don't you uh, unpack for us a little more that idea of the idea of church person humility, which really isn't, but gets kind of taught to people that model of humility we may get kind of especially in suburban churches. Yeah, well, the, the, the fact is that actual humility is not this, uh, this idea that, that most of us grow up thinking. It's what I grew up thinking, which is we grow up thinking that humility means to put yourself down in every situation. Um, as quickly as possible and um, as much as possible. Actual humility is to have an accurate view of yourself. Um, Yes. The the Apostle Paul says, you know, look at yourself with sober judgment, you know, and uh, that's the way Mm -hmm. the Scripture talks about you, to be able to see yourself as you really are, as, as the Lord sees you, as other people see you. I think that one thing that's really hard for us, and uh, most of us, we learn exactly what you did in the situation at the soup kitchen because it's what's modeled to us. This is what we see over and over again, which is that um, we don't know who we are. We don't know 
um, the things that that we're good at. We don't know what our gifts are. We're uncomfortable with the idea that God has given me some gifts, and those things are important in building the kingdom. So we don't. It's it's a very uncomfortable thing for us to do exactly what Glenn said, which was just to say thank you to 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 know who I am, to know what I bring to the table, and to be comfortable with that being a good thing. That's a very difficult and uncomfortable thing for us to do. I learned this, and I'm still learning it, just super late in life. Um, I was actually a uh, quick story. <laughs> I was leading worship at the bridge, and uh, we had had a really good set. Um, it felt awesome. It just felt like we were right in the pocket, the band in the room and everything was together and got done playing music and went and sat down and, uh, and Jed came over to me and said, uh, just kind of leaned down in front of my chair and said, dude, that was a really great set. You did a great job. And I just kind of, as a knee jerk reaction said, Oh, whatever. <laughs> and Jed, I don't know if you remember this or not, but you Wrong actually long answer physically grabbed my arm, got about two inches away from my face and said, what did you just say to me? <laughs> and and I was like, oh, I'm sorry. And then you said, don't do that. And I was like, okay, uh, thank you. And you were like, that's the right answer. And then got up and walked away. You know, and, um, and I remember thinking, yeah, I don't even know why I said that. I knew it was a good set. It felt amazing. It was a great set. We just we just killed it in this room. It should have been a thing, but it's it this is what we learn because we're so uncomfortable with the idea that God has given me gifts and I can use them and it's a great it's a very good and wonderful thing. So we have a hard time accepting who we are, what we bring to the table, but that's but you know, putting yourself down isn't real humility. Humility is being able to say, this is who I am. This is a correct view of myself. And that's okay. I don't have to be conceited about that. Um, I don't have to take that any further than it needs to go. I want to look at myself with sober judgment. But this is who I am, and it's a very good thing. That's a lot of great stuff. Jed, why don't you unpack for us? Uh, we got, I think we heard a lot of good wisdom on this. There is the knee-jerk reaction to go the other way. But what does accepting that really look like, maybe beyond thank you, the internal stuff of someone tells you you're good at something, maybe agreeing with them? Well, sure. Well, you know, Lee said it, you know, Lee said that humility is about having, you know, an accurate picture of, of who you are and what you bring to the table, the gifts God's given you and accepting it. And I think part of the reason that's so important is <clears throat> if you accept who you are and what you have, then you can actually do something with it. Um, you know, in, in, in my own life, um, if you listen to this podcast, you may know that I, I do a fair amount of music stuff in my work for Glenn. Um, uh, and kind of within music, I'm, one of the things I'm actually pretty good at is playing the drums. Um, and um, I'm, I'm not a little bit good at that. I'm, I'm actually a lot good at that. I'm, I'm very, very good at it. Amen. Now, um, that's not a prideful statement or an arrogant statement. That's just the truth. Um, I I should note, of course, that God gave me those abilities, um, and He uh, gave me inv- an environment where I could hone those abilities, and He you know provided the resources you know to be able to get the actual drums and all that. So it it all belongs to Him, but He He has given those abilities to me. So here's why that matters. If I won't acknowledge what He's given me, I can't turn around and use it to serve Him. In, in other words, I can't be, yeah. a, you know, a really good drummer for the Lord if I won't begin by acknowledging that I'm a really good drummer. Uh, and, and that applies to everything that we've got. You know, if you, you know, if you're <clears throat> a person with some academic giftedness and, and you're able to do graduate study and whatnot, God has a plan for how he wants that used to serve him. But you, if you won't acknowledge that you're in graduate school, you, you kind of can't do that. If, if you won't acknowledge that you have academic, academic giftedness, you, you kind of can't do that. It, let me give you an example of what I mean. If you say, I am an academically gifted person, Lord, that belongs to you. What do you want me to do with it? One of the things the, the Lord might lead you to is maybe there are disadvantaged kids in your area that need a tutor. Um, you, you need someone who is academically gifted to do that kind of tutoring. That would be a great fit for you. But you kind of can't really imagine yourself doing that if you won't begin by acknowledging, I, I do have some academic gifts here. So the, the funny thing is... We start out with this false humility thing by thinking we're trying to keep the focus not on us and just you know keep everything humble. But we can actually that can quickly not only put the focus more on us, it can wind up depriving other people of good things for the sake of that false humility. 
I think that's absolutely right. One of the things we're kind of looking at here is um, you got caught in what I like to call the white person compliment dance, though the other person did not know they were a part of it. <laughs> yeah. There's a bidding process when you try to give um, really anybody, but may, especially white suburban church people, a compliment where you start out with, you must be really smart. And then they'll come back with, no, I'm super dumb. And now we put this fish where, where I, as a person giving the initial compliment, it's my job to convince you yeah. you are deserving of compliments. Yeah. And um, what you got reflected back to you is that that's a really stupid system. Yeah. Now, as Lee pointed out, and quite rightly, you didn't know that because it's all you've known. Yeah. Yeah. But what you got reflected is somebody who is just looking at the idea of compliments objectively and saying, well, if I give you a compliment and you reject it, Basically, what you're saying is my opinion is useless and doesn't matter to you and I should shut up, which one of the reasons to go back to Lee's story, one of the reasons Jed reacted so strongly there is to some of the more like serious, hardened crime background and gang connected guys at the bridge. If they give you a compliment and you whatever them, you have basically told them to go stick it in their ear. Yeah, because they gave you an opinion and you sloughed it off and that would be like real bad. Yeah, but that's a way that makes sense. That's actually that's actually way more of what you're putting out there than what you know. So one of the cool things about working in ministry, be that kind of foreign missions or least of these stuff or youth stuff, pardon me, where you're outside your own kind of culture, is you get to see some of those things reflected back to you, and mm. some of them you'll say, if we took this one thing from the culture I'm used to and dropped it in here, that might actually do a lot of good. Then on some of these, you get reflected back to you the opposite of that. Now, here's why you're doing the absolutely right thing, because the right question to ask is, what should I have done to be more effective in this situation? Yeah. The wrong question to ask is, why didn't that lady react to my compliment deflection like a normal crazy person? Yeah. That would be a bad idea, and there's a lot of bad ministry being done by people who basically take their white suburban churchness into a different environment and set about rolling up their sleeves and trying to make everyone act exactly like the people they're used to in their white suburban church culture. So all that say, you had a bad experience. It is one we've all had. I I know I have stories like that. I'm sure Glenn and Jed do exactly like the one Lee shared of even if it's not this specific thing not thinking all the way through a cultural thing we didn't know and really getting bitten in the rear end by it, but you're doing the exact right thing by saying, what should I have done? What do I do better next time? And the lucky thing in this case, and in a lot of cases like this is the answer is way more simple than you might think. Yeah. No secret code word. No, anything you have to do. If, if she says, if you go back, if you had a chance to do the situation over, you said, I'm in grad school. And the lady said, wow, you must be really smart. And you said, thank you. How was your week? Yeah. That that's all it takes. All easy, all very, very doable. All right, we move on to our next question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox. It says, hey there, I am newly engaged to a wonderful God-loving man and wanted some tips on the best ways to serve, love, and encourage my fiance as we prepare for marriage. Lee, why don't you start us off? I'd love to, and thanks for writing us in. And by the way, congratulations on your engagement. Um, it's, uh, you know, my, my uh, initial thought is that you know, the Say That podcast it continues to spread love and cheer and around the world, and that's a very good thing. But what what I would love to propose to you on this question is something that I don't think a lot of gals really think about very much, and that is during this time of your engagement, and by the way, this is a really cool question. So you're, you're ahead of the game and, and wanting to know how to do this well, um, do these months of engagement well. But one thing I don't think a lot of a lot of folks think about, especially gals during the time of engagement, is, um, and I hear a lot of this. I do a fair bit of premarital counseling and stuff like that. Is that they super super duper want their guy to be as into the preparation of their wedding ceremony as they are, and um, <laughs> their guys are not. Um, and so setting let me, yourself up for failure. Yeah, let me make an encouragement, and that is that. During this time of engagement, the conversations that you really want your guy to engage in and put thought and energy into, encourage those conversations to be about your marriage, about your relationship, and about making that strong and getting prepared for uh, living your life together. And don't, um, you know, and don't expect him to put the same amount of energy and passion and all that kind of stuff into planning the wedding ceremony as you do. He probably cares about your wedding ceremony about one one hundredth uh, as much as you do, uh, maybe less than that, and yeah. he wouldn't yeah. be wrong than that. 
Uh, he wouldn't be right. necessarily wrong on that deal. And here's the deal is that the idea of like wanting to build a strong relationship that you can nurture and build and work through as a team for the rest of your life, that is a very good thing. And that's what the process, that's what this time of engagement is for. That's, that is, that is exactly what this time is about is, is getting ready to be married. Um, but, um, putting all your passion and time and energy into throwing the world's greatest party, um, that is not something to focus down on. And I'm not, you know, I don't know who wrote the question and I'm not saying that's what you're going to do, but I don't, I think a lot of people kind of miss this step. Your wedding ceremony is probably going to last between 30 and 40 minutes. Um, you are going to be married for the rest of your life. Um, you'll have some photographs of that wedding ceremony and you'll have some photographs of your family from the wedding ceremony and the reception and stuff like that. That's all good and lovely. You're going to look fine in the photos. They'll look great on Instagram. That's great. It's all fine. The wedding ceremony is going to happen, whatever. The thing that you want to do during this time to encourage this dude is don't, <laughs> don't make a humongo deal about this wedding ceremony. Make it about your marriage. The other thing that I would say on this before passing around is that if you want to prepare on how do I serve this dude and encourage him, look at his life. Look at his week. What, what are the things that really wear him out, that really stress him out, that, that are, really are problems? And how can you help him problem solve and deal and get some of those things out of the way so that he can serve the Lord better or do his job better and stuff like that. These are the kinds of things you're going to be doing for the rest of your life. In other words, how do we get through our week as a team together? How do we serve the Lord together as a team? How can I, how can I help simplify or get through, help you get through things that are tough for you? And how can you do that for me? Starting to learn that stuff now is really going to prepare you to do the stuff that you're going to be doing for the rest of your life. I think it's a great point. Um, Jed, why don't you pick that up, right? actually right where Lee left off, and look at this idea of the ways you serve and encourage someone are not necessarily big and emotional and totally. romantic. A lot of times they're more practical than you might think, right? Totally, totally, absolutely. Um, service is uh, not about sentiment. It's about the end result. Right. Um, uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's easy to, to think, you know um, – Put it this way: If you have kids and your kid, you know, is in kindergarten and makes you a painting, that's not service. Right. That, that's actually, I mean, it's beautiful and it's a, it's an act of love and you appreciate that, but it's not really meant to improve your life. Right. It's 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 a sentimental thing. Mm. Your service to your fiance and your future spouse is actually meant to be about practical improvement of their life. It's not it's not meant right. to be about sentiment. Those are two very very different things. So, for example. Um, the way that you can, and Lee was already talking about this, the way that you can judge, you know, is this practical services, does their life improve as a result of this? Right. Um, you know, do they do they have less stress? Do they feel more peace? Do they have... Um, you know, uh, um, uh, le- do they do they have a you know kind of a better um, you know emotional state as a result? I give an example. This was actually when we had first gotten married, but I decided what I was going to do for my wife is every day when we woke up, you know, you know after she left for work, I was going to make the bed. I was you know, always you know have that to come home to. Now I hadn't asked my wife if that was something you know that she particularly cared about. I just decided that's that's what we'll do and it was a lovely thought right. it was a lovely gesture and you know a few weeks went by and finally you know my wife grabbed me and she said hey, i really appreciate you making the bed and that's really sweet actually the thing i really care about is the garbage like right. if if you could like the bed's cool and all <laughs> right, but right. but if you could make sure that the garbage always goes out right. like always 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 that would be if i could only pick one i would definitely pick the garbage <laughs> right. for sure yeah well this is the thing is um i'm down either way i i right. don't care if one of them is way more important to her than the other right. that's that's fine with me but we have to talk right. about these things and and i have to be a will, be willing to be a servant to what matters to her Right. Not to my own ideas of what's romantic. Yes. You know, uh, in my head, making the bed, that feels really romantic. Well, it's a very unjed like thing to make the bed. Exactly right. So that must make it romantic. Of course, you're the kind of guy to take out the trash. Who, who else is better suited to that? Exactly right. Well, it, it, but it goes both ways. One of the things that, you know, I had to uh, explain to Hallie is the thing that it makes me feel loved, it makes me feel peaceful, it makes me feel like I'm at home, cold cans of soda in the fridge. 
Right. I can't explain to you why that is, <laughs> um, but if there are always cold cans of soda, not bottles, cans, right? Um, uh, and, and not recent, cold, cold cans right. of soda in the fridge, I will feel unbelievably loved on the basis of that. I'm right. just, I, I, to this day, I can't explain to you why that is, right. but it's totally true for me. Absolutely right. And because I'm married to an amazing woman, she said, if that makes you happy, done. We can, we can just do that. We can, we can square that away. The thread running through this, though, is it's practical, but it's based on communication. Exactly. It's not based on assuming what the other person will feel loved by, not assuming what will make the other person's life better. It's talking it through and being prepared to go with whatever it is. You know, mm-hmm. I think when you, when you get to a point and you want to get there as quickly as possible where you can say, look, I don't know that it makes a lot of sense to me, but if it works for you, mm-hmm. I'm game. I'm down. If you can adopt that attitude in all kinds of areas of your life as as an engaged couple and as a married couple, that will save you so many problems. Absolutely. So maybe as another example, just of what you're talking about, um, if you're, say, you're an engaged gal and you are having a problem with your fiancé, you say, I've spent so much time picking out placemats for this wedding and you don't even care. Yeah, that's not a good idea. Don't you? Isn't it important to you that I spend all the time on the placemats? These centerpieces yeah. didn't pick themselves. These Those centerpieces are for us, Jonathan. <laughs> right. These are real things, by the way. That's not. This is yeah. not hyperbole. I wish I had the imagination to make it up. Glenn, why don't you help us out? Well, for sure, um, your husband-to-be is not supposed to be interested at all in your wedding. It's not at all for him or about him. That's an insanely ridiculous idea. If you have it, divest yourself of it. Disabuse yourself of it because it's absurd. You are wearing a dress that costs an, a, a ridiculous amount of money. <laughs> he is wearing rented shoes. The only time this male that you are marrying will wear rented shoes is when he's bowling and when he's getting married to you. He's wearing a jacket that hundreds of other dudes have had their armpits in. This is this is the dichotomy of marriage. You, we, we, and, and, and he's happy with that inequality. You can't ask him to, on top of that, be excited about it. That's that's uh, you know, it's not for you. Uh, you're you know, uh, the centerpieces aren't for us. Uh, neither are any the 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 ladles or the 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 dishes or whatever. It's Glenn, it sounds like you want someone to make you a very elaborate beaded tuxedo. Yeah, exactly. would that make you feel better? Exactly right. Because I think you we know, can get the people to take up a donation for that. Because you could put steel belted radials right on that <laughs> wedding registry. Because that's for us. We both ride in that car every day. Sure. So there, there's there, look. You're when, when you're way ahead in getting what you want. Quit while you're there and be thankful for it. Is is the right attitude? But I want to get back to what Jed was saying about the difference between a sentimental, uh, uh, something meant to be sort of a sentimental help versus a practical help. I'm still chewing on that after he said it. I think it's really smart because I think we have a sense when we're dating and stuff that it's about romantic gestures. Yeah. You know, making the bed is a romantic gesture. Yeah. Um, but nobody cares. Yeah, so, it's not making our life better. <laughs> you know, that's not, uh, that's not a thing. Uh, it's really about... Uh, as, as Jed was saying, making an impact. And I think the thing off of that is really communication. Yep. You know, one of the things Jed put in there was uh, he's talking about he likes the cans of soda in the fridge. I don't know why. See, that's interesting to me because it's just, it's it's almost the kind of thing you wouldn't say. Sure. Because it is sort Silly. of a, I, yeah, I don't know why that, uh, <laughs> this, this, it just, I opened the fridge, there's a can of soda in there, I drink it, I feel good. <laughs> I, that, I don't know why. This is a weird thing about me. This is how I'm wired. But good marriage is when you say that out loud. Yes. I don't know why it sounds, I'm embarrassed, but I'm going to be vulnerable, yeah. and I'm going to say, I and I know maybe this sounds selfish. Maybe this sounds like somebody better have soda in my fridge or whatever. It you know, someone could misinterpret that yeah. if they if they wanted to. But you're trusting your partner where you're saying this is. So part of it is sort of examining yourself, but it's also asking the other person and both of you really being honest and really kind of digging deep in that communication of. You know, this actually would make me feel really great if we had this thing taken care of. 
Lots and lots of times you're going to face situations as a couple where the person that you're with is on overload. Yes. I mean, they are yeah. just they are at the, the limit. Here's the thing to do. Ask that person, what can I take off your plate? Nine times out of ten, what they're going to say is, there's this one little thing. If you take that one thing off my plate, I can handle all the rest and be fine. It yeah. sounds weird, but I trust me, when you get to the situation, that's what will be. There's always one little thing, and that's the straw that's breaking the camel's yep. back. I can handle everything else if I didn't have this one thing. And also, nine times out of ten, that's a little thing. Uh-huh. It's, I need to get to the store and buy this deal. I need to, uh, uh, you know, uh, write this email. I, what, it's the kind of thing someone could take as a handoff, do it in five minutes, and you're, you're radically transforming that other person's life. We need to be able to to ask each other and 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 you know uh, uh, find each other in those moments and say, "What do you need from me? I'm ready. Give mm-hmm. me something. Mm-hmm. You know, tell you, give me put take something off your plate for me to do." And what you want to do when when someone asks you that is you want to look for that one thing. If I had that one thing off my plate, wow, this would be a huge relief. And and you can do that for each other. And here's what happens is. I'm handling one little thing for my significant other. She's handling one little thing for me. Yep. But we're having a huge impact yeah. on each other's lives. Exactly. That's that's what you're looking for within marriage. Well, and just as a parting shot, and I'll, I'll let yeah. uh, Lee finish this off, as a parting thought, we, you also need to do this with uh, 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 sexy stuff yep. in the bedroom, communicating uh, what it is that you want and serving each other in that way. Well, and I was also going to say, I, I, lo- I love the direction that you, you were taking that, that piece in at the end. And some of those things, sometimes it won't even be about what's overwhelming. It might just be about my personality, you know? So yeah, yeah, I can handle yeah. a thousand, you know, logistical things, but calling the plumber, I just don't like talking to them. And so if you would just please right. interface with the plumber, you know, or if, yep. right, right, if right. you know, if you yes. could do the, just because, or if you could do the karate class, just because I just don't, you know, that if, if it, it's, it's like you said, it's, we don't always know why we don't even know. You yeah. Know, maybe, maybe I'm not yeah. even overwhelmed. Maybe this, this one thing that, that has to do with our family life, I just don't like it. And the other person yeah. says, I don't mind that. I know a couple right, who, right. who just recently, we just did their, uh, uh, did their wedding a few months ago. And, uh, her, you know, and his thing was, I'll do anything in the world but the dishes. And she says, right. well, I'll do anything in the world but fold the laundry. And he's like, no problem. I love doing the laundry. She's like, well, I don't have any problem with right. the dishes. You know, and so a lot of there couples might think, you need to share that stuff. But it's unique. It's their nope. system. They've got it worked yes. out. Boom. Yes. That's it. What Lee said. Very, very quick final closing thought for you. And and this is actually kind of a thing that's driving everything you're hearing. As much as you can, starting right now, you and your husband-to-be want to face everything you can as a team. Right. Um, right. You want to, beginning right now, get rid of the idea that there are his problems and your problems. Okay. That doesn't exist anymore. If you, right. if you want a healthy marriage, there are our problems. That's it. That's right. There, there's no such – we are one person. Right. There, There is no such thing as yours and mine. We face things together. Yeah. But that needs to start. The three most important, that needs to start with family, money, and sex. Now, sex, of course, some of that you have to save till you're actually married. But as Glenn right. said, you need to begin talking about it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it you want to work as much as possible. And this is going to start with communication. That's actually the way you build that team element, talk everything through. But where there's we land on a place, there's no disagreement between us about how we deal with family. There's no disagreement between us on how we deal with money. And there's no disagreement between us on how we deal with sex. That doesn't mean there aren't disagreements along the way. Right. But yeah, we, sometimes you got to hash it out. But we hash it out. Right. We are committed to hashing it out, getting on the same page so that we can be a team that's yeah. working together, pointed in the same, direct, uh, uh, same direction, trying to achieve the same goal. If you will do that, if you'll decide starting now to work together to become a team on everything of any importance in your life, you will have as strong a marriage as you could possibly hope Say for. that, dude. Absolutely. Absolutely. One thing, one little thing I'll tackle on the end here, specifically to the engagement experience, what I've observed many over many years, having uh, many friends, both sexes be engaged. Um, we need to figure this out. You need to figure this out between your, your fiance. If you come to him with swatches uh-huh. and say, 
what color do you want for the tablecloth, whatever? And he says, as men who don't haven't thought it through want to do, I don't care. Right. You need to instead of saying, well, then you don't care about our marriage because you don't. And I'm not saying who's wrong, or right? You shouldn't say I don't care. But you gotta say, the I guy's understand. Right, but go ahead. Sure. Well, is yeah. the guy ever right in a relationship well, yeah, yeah, in the long run? Yeah, absolutely. You say you have to be able to communicate something as specific as, I just need you to reinforce. It's not that I don't care about you. It's not that I don't care about your our marriage. Right. I just don't know anything about the color of tablecloths. Why don't you pick? I have never had an opinion about this thing. Yeah, ever. but <laughs> it's a very small thing, but it's one of those, it uh, holds the communication element of, that. in that moment, you can't have something where you're saying different things. Right. Yeah. Right. If he's saying, I don't care what color the tablecloths are, and you are hearing, I don't care if our marriage lives or not, right. and the same way, <laughs> If you're coming, right. if he's hearing an actual question about centerpieces, um, when what you're asking is you're still committed to this, right? You're engaged, right? You're okay. involved, you care, right? Right. You can just ask that actual question, yeah, instead of the one with the layer on it. Yeah, that's right. That's where a lot of friction comes up in that kind of stuff. That's a a somewhat silly example, but a real one. That kind of engagement, yep. but just a, what, part of honesty is when you want something in your partner actually saying the thing you mean. That's yep. right. That helps Hold a lot. Right, jump so, last Matt, yep. that was really good. But my question is, uh, what is the what what is the connective tissue between quote unquote the engagement experience and quote unquote the Matt King experience? That's a Absolutely great question. None, only because I hate all of you. <laughs> Spite single the Matt King experience. <laughs> Moving on to our last question here, it came in anonymous at our Tumblr box. It says, "I want to start investing money in a mutual fund for my family and start a five twenty nine plan for my baby's future college education." However, one of my friends tells me that I should be spending my money on kingdom issues, on helping the poor, widow, and orphan, like Jesus commands. Should I invest my money or use it to fight poverty and human trafficking? And and the like. Jed, why don't you start us off? Thanks very much for your question. I appreciate you writing in. Um, and I'm sorry that your friend was kind of a jerk to you. Um, the obvious answer is um, it's not an either or thing. Yeah, uh, It's also the true answer, but I think we ought to dig in and look at why that is the case. It turns out that everything in life, um, anything that is good in life is only good when it's in the proper balance and proportion. Uh, they're, they're actually in in every arena of life. There's no such thing as something that is good in any amount. That right. that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And giving is right up in there. Mm-hmm. Um, um, zero giving, not good. Even if you have no money, you can give of your time and your talents. Uh, it's really a heart issue. You know, if, mm-hmm. if you are just not giving in any way in your life, time, talent, or treasure, we do want to take a look at that. That's not a good thing. Um, Trying to, in a monastic vow of poverty way, literally give every available penny that you possibly can to charitable causes is also not good. Right. And actually not scriptural. Right. Uh, not what what Jesus calls people to. So I think the thing that we want to ask ourselves is, why is there part of me, though, that thinks my friend has a point? Right. Um, if someone says something to you and you don't think they have a point, you don't worry about it. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's uh, that's something anyway. Right. When you when it gives you pause, that's because part of you thinks they've got a point. So let's let's look at it. The, there's a prevailing thing in Christian culture, particularly among young people, that says what we need to do here is we need to be hardcore about it. We need to right. get at it. We need to be like Ugh! about right. the things that Jesus says. Right. All right, here's the funny thing. That's actually pride. A lot of people don't think about that, but you want your approach to what the Bible says to say something about you. I'm the kind of guy that's hardcore. Jed, I just want to host the biggest conference anyone's ever hosted. I don't see what's prideful about that. For his glory. <laughs> oh, yeah, to make him famous. <laughs> let, me, let me give you an absurd example, but it's, it's, it's the same thing. We're, and it relates to the last question. Let's say your wife says, hey, hon, could you pick up some milk? While you're out, I got a cow. <laughs> this yeah. is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Your wife will not be happy if you come home and say, you know, girl, I just I just wanted to glorify you today. I just wanted to honor your command and your wishes. I just wanted to just exalt the praise of your glory. And that's why I spent our rent money to buy a cow. <laughs> it's like unlimited milk. Just, just trying your- to seek your face, honey. <laughs> I took out a $500,000 loan and bought a dairy farm in Wisconsin. What, what your wife will say to you in that moment is, that's not what I wanted. That's right. 
You didn't do what I wanted. You did what made you feel good about you. The cow was a gift for you. That's right. The cow was not a gift for me. Right. The gift for me was going to the supermarket and buying a quart of milk (laughs) and bringing it home. You You didn't do that. Well, the thing is, we're all tempted to do that with Jesus. He, he says, you know, go, you know, the Lord leads you, the Spirit convicts you, go help me in this one way. You know, go, you know, start volunteering here and there at the soup kitchen. That's, that's lovely. That doesn't mean quit your job and devote right. yourself to the mastery of the soup kitchen. Right. These are not the same thing. Yeah. But I think the funny thing is, I think, and it goes back actually to our first question, I think we all struggle with having the humility to say, the Lord has asked me to do one thing. I will do that one thing. The Lord asked me to go to the store and get milk. I will go to the store and get milk. Right. And then that's the end of my uh, involvement with that particular thing. He will ask me to do more things in the future. Right. But I've been asked to get milk. I will go get milk. Right. Because I'm not the one in charge, and this isn't supposed to say something about me as a person. Right. So to to specifically address a question that you asked, the Lord does call on you to give. Right. Um, And a good guideline, not a rule, not a, but a good guideline is 10%. Right. It's a good guideline. If you are roughly speaking giving 10% of your income to things that help the least of these in some way, and particularly if you've kind of looked into it and you know your money's going to a good use and whatnot, you should, and if you're praying about it at all, you should feel great about that and should feel very good about being financially responsible and putting some money into a 401k and college savings. Right. And you should tell your friend to push on and sell that crap somewhere else. Yes. Well, I think when I think of how to tell someone to push on and sell that crap somewhere else, <laughs> I look to Glenn Fitzgerald. Why don't you walk us through a little bit of this, Glenn? Uh, you, you probably should. Uh, that, th- first of all, do you know what legalism sounds like? <laughs> a lot like this. Because that's what this is. And the look, underlying thing is you should do this thing or God will be mad at you. Yeah, look, I, I work with the poor. I want you to give money to, to help us work with the poor. I want you to give money to help other people help with the poor. Uh, widows and orphans and all that good stuff. Uh, that's that's what I'm about all day, every day. Uh, but... As Jed is saying here, um, uh, first of all, you're supposed to work that out with God, not yep. with your friend. Yeah. Right. Second of all, uh, my Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. This person did not increase your cheerfulness. That's not what right. happened there. Um, uh, it also sounds like he told you this. Um, I, you don't say here specifically, but it sounds like you didn't necessarily ask for this. You just mentioned that you were saving for your child's college education. I think I can give a dramatic reenactment of how this ha- happened. Please do. Are you ready for it? So we're sitting at I'll, lunch. I'll, I'll be the guy. Okay. Tell me about, you know, what's up? Um, I'm thinking of starting a 529 plan to save for my child's college education. Oh, your child, huh? Yeah. Your child, you know, there's a lot of children out there. Yeah. A lot of children don't have anything, Glenn. That children have a 528 plan or 527 or 526. Wow. Not even 525. But you never thought about that, did you? But you don't care. You don't care about anybody but yourself. Maybe your own project, your own <laughs> offspring. I think, I think you grieve the heart of Jesus. That's what I think. Maybe you have a point. Do you need a refill on that Diet Coke? I'm going to get a refill. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this the, has been a little too real theater <laughs> with Jed Brewer. Yeah. <laughs> this is the thing is, dude, yeah, you got to understand. Uh, you got to hear it when it's coming out of people's mouths. That's a legalistic thing. I don't know why you wouldn't simply feed back to the guy. I intend to pay for my child's college education. I am saving now. I will pay for it now, or I will pay for it later, but I will pay for it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, it's not a matter of robbing money from poor children. If I finance that college education later, I'll end up paying more for it later. Therefore, there will be less money left over for widows and orphans. That's math. Yeah. Okay? So I, you're really losing me here on this idea. Of Don't every- you try to math your way out of this guilting? Let me try and give you a tool as you move forward on this. Be, beware. Be wary of anything that sounds holy. Yeah. I don't like stuff that sounds holy. Yep. Mm. You know what I mean? 
people say, because this is a holy sounding thing, giving money to children. And it's one of those, you can't be against it. Sure. It's like these, the, these, these shady legislators, you know, we're going to make a law, and it, the law is I love puppies law. Yeah. And so you can't vote against it. There's a lot of other stuff in there. Yeah, sure. Introducing stuff in the Happy there. Smiling Children bill. What does it do? It mainly dumps nuclear waste. <laughs> right. It's like he voted against the Happy Children and hates puppies <laughs> bill. You know, this is uh, this is the thing. Is you 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 can't um, uh, you, you have to have a sense with this holy sounding stuff uh, that that it's it's one of those things where it's designed where you can't deny it, kind of a thing. Here's the thing. When Jesus told people stuff, it did not sound holy to them at all. Yep, that's true. Mm-hmm. It really violated their religiosity in a lot of ways. You know, yeah. A lot of the stuff Jesus, he's saying, love your enemies, pray for your enemies, turn the other cheek. He's saying, you know, uh, that that this is about love, this is about forgiveness, this is this is terrible news for religious people. He's he's breaking down rules, he's breaking down structures and and hierarchies and all these different kind of things. He's leveling the playing field. He's putting no barriers between us and God. And everybody, all these religious types, heard all that and said that doesn't sound holy at all. Yeah. There's nothing about this that you, now you give me a ritual, you give me something to feel guilty about. That feels holy. So I think part of this might be developing a different instinct within yourself and having that sense of God is always going to challenge you. Uh, that that's not going to take on the nature of uh, here's something to make you feel bad. Again, God loves a cheerful giver. He might say, give this, and it'll freak you out, and then you give it, and then something happens, and you're like, wow, this is, this is the best thing that's ever happened. This feels so great. Yeah. And you've learned something about you know, uh, uh, that experience. But if someone says, okay, step one, guilt. Step two, do the <laughs> thing that guilt demands of you. That is, by definition, not of God. That does Amen. not please God. Whatever you did out of guilt, if you think that's pleasing God, check it with him. Yeah, You're going to find out. He doesn't want you to do that out of guilt. He wants you to do stuff that love demands of you and do things okay. out of love. Uh, if, you, if you're doing a quote-unquote righteous thing given to poor people and so on and so forth, but you're doing that out of guilt... God wants to intervene in that situation and say, stop doing that. Yeah. Understand what's going on. Now, he may reroute that money back to poor people or whatever it is, but it's with the understanding that this needs to be about love. I think that's absolutely right. Lee, why don't you close us out on this? Well, I think, uh, and these guys have already kind of hinted this and, and talked about it a little bit, but but when it comes to uh, what you and your wife do with the money that God has entrusted to you, that decision is down to God. And it's down to yep. you and your wife, and no one uh, else is invited into that. Uh, the the mm-hmm. explanation that you could give this dude that Glenn uh, laid out is a perfectly great explanation. It's also perfectly acceptable to say that's none of your business. Um, yeah. You're not invited into this meeting. I, I think uh, if I was going to close this thing out on, on one kind of principle, the way that you think about money is, is just this. As you and your wife are praying about it and, and thinking about what do we want to do with our money is how do you see the money that you have? Is it, is it yours that you own or is it the money mm-hmm. that God has given you? And you check with him, what do you want us to do with this money? If you take yes. the second route, God, this, the money that we have actually belongs to you. Actually, all of it belongs to you. Yep. Um, what yep. do you want us to do with it? Uh, here's what you're going to find out about God. You're going to find out, number one, he has some really cool stuff for you to give some of that money to. And when you give it to it, you're going to find that it's fun and you're going to find yourself partnering in the gospel with some amazing people. And it's it's going to light your heart up. It's just going to, it's going to change your life. That's the first thing that you're going to find. And here's the second thing that you're going to find. And this is what drives a legalist crazy, but it's just a really cool part of the heart of God. If you, if your attitude is God, this money is yours. What do you want me to do with it? You're actually going to find that he's very generous with it. And he wants you to have a lot of fun yourself. 
That's uh, he wants true. he wants you to to he wants you to spend money on things that you dig, things that you find are fun, things that are sometimes frivolous, things that are, he you know I mean there's this amazing part in the book of Deuteronomy that says okay, I want you guys to take a certain percentage of your money and I want you to come to Jerusalem and throw the biggest party you can once a year. Now if you live too far away from Jerusalem, I want you to. And this is in the scriptures. If you live too far away from Jerusalem, you can't make the trip. I want you to take this percentage of your annual income and spend it on whatever would most please your heart. Yeah. That's what it says. He says, including, and he says, wine, beer, or strong drink, and have a huge party and thank the Lord for how good he is to you. That's in the Holy Scriptures. And so that is actually Amen. in there. What, what you would find is, if my attitude towards this money is, this belongs to God, Lord, what do you want us to do with it? He's going to give you cool stuff to do, and you're also going to find that he's really generous. He wants you to have fun with it. He wants you to be provided for, all that kind of stuff. Amen. Amen. I think you're absolutely right. One of the things that all three of these guys have talked to, and I just want to um, reinforce here, is an idea of balance. Yep. Here's the thing. Yeah. If you walk through this, you say... What take what this person is giving you, which we're not wanting to pick on this person too much, even though they said some stupid crap, because there's a lot of people who say this kind of thing. Now I'd flip around and say, Well, I don't see you selling your car to give it to the poor. You'll get a lot of hemming and hawing and so forth. That's using guilt to fight guilt, which though fun in the moment, <laughs> does not really have a long term thing. So if you look at this person and say, So what you're telling me is I should give all the money that I would have for my family to other people to poor people that sounds good on the surface but then i'm like not taking care of my family which you look at the bible and it's not nuts about that either no. right again as jed's jed we started this with jed i want to point out christians and church culture is really bad at um balance yep. it's really bad proportion and it really doesn't like smart solutions no. you go to you watch any of these uh church gro- read any of these church growth books or watch the video on youtube with the the tight t-shirted pastor talking about their vision and how they did it. They'll never say we sat down, we looked at it, we prayed it over. We found the smartest people you talked to. And we decided that these are the five steps that are really going to give us the most growth for us. Now, what we all know on this podcast, because we talk to these kind of people is every church that's even ever thought about being mega has hired a consulting firm to look at its demographics for hundreds of thousands of dollars for hundreds of thousands of dollars to look at how much money they should spend on advertising, where they mm-hmm. should spend it, how exactly how much money should be coming in based yep. on the demographics of the people in their congregation. Mm-hmm. They hire outside uh, advertising firms when it comes time to sell a book or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're doing all that, but not talking about that part. What are they talking about? We had a vision. Right. <laughs> and Pastor Joey is such a fantastic communicator. He really right. he put the passion the into people. And then we rose up as a movement of a generation of the renewing right. of the whatever. But uh, they don't like talking about we sat down and looked at the best, most cost-effective way to achieve our goal. Right. Actually, if you're, you can read the Bible cover to cover. It has no problem with that. Right. Absolutely right. So yep. if you look at this and say, well, why don't I, as Jed's pointing out, why don't I research, find some things I want to give to, and then put half the money I would have um, put in the 401k into that, but still put some money in the 401k, there's no problem with that. Sure. And here's the thing. is we, We've said this kind of thing before. Three of the four of us are uh, missionaries who live on missionary support, and Lee lives on something very similar. There's some people who give to the church. Here's the thing. If you make the big one-time gift, that's great. Feels good for you. But uh, what would be better for the people who are getting that is the small monthly gift. Yep, right. that's yeah. correct. Because just on a practical end, it's more uh, stable. It makes mm-hmm. our life easier to figure out stuff mm-hmm. and plan. Also, you join in the team. Absolutely. Here's the other thing. Let's let's take it out of an individual idea. Let's say a church says, we're going to give 100% of our budget to missions. Well, that sounds good. But the end of that is, for one year, then we'll be closed because we don't have a budget. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. As missionaries, we'd probably much rather you give like 10% of your budget in perpetuity. Yes, the perpetuity right. is very key. Yes, smart. Uh, God loves a cheerful giver. I think, it's not in the Bible, this is my guess, I think God also loves a smart financial planner. Right. <laughs> now, you, know, you can get on the Dave Ramsey and all that stuff, which I'm sure there's nothing wrong with that. Never read or heard a minute of it, but people seem to like it. And things like, you know, 10% of your income into savings and 1000 that's all great. 
Now, at some point, God will, as Glenn points all the time, God will violate your worldly wisdom on all this stuff. Right, that's yeah. right. And say, I know you don't have, I know that's your last $10. I want you to give it to them. Yeah. Right, right. What are we doing here? So, you know, you take smart so far, but there is a way to be prayerful and responsible in the same moment. And that's mm. as. Glenn was talking about when you take emotion all the way out of it, that makes you unmanipulatable. Yeah. And that's really what you want to look at for cut and dry things like this. Amen. All right. We appreciate you listening. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. You can always sign up for Bridgebox, missionusa.com slash Bridgebox. $8 a month. Support ministry. Get a lot of great stuff. You can also sign up at missionusa.com slash BBLY. Keep checking the blogs and the yes. Twitters and whatnot for that link to the 48-hour Bridgebox sample. We're going to take it out with an outro song. We've been talking a lot about humility and just getting started on stuff and trying new stuff. So this is a great song by Lee. It's called Start Somewhere about all that stuff. So we're going to take out that. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast, most of us are unselfishly married. Story to hear that needs to be told. Start some.